Funny Books with Aaron, Polly, Tim, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. <laughs> so uh, I, I hate to say it, but we may have some background uh, background cat wailing uh, during this podcast. Are, Sorry. You strangling, are you strangling cats, Paul? Is that what you're well, doing? I am, but only because they're locked in the room with me because the carpet just got cleaned. Is this like a bad episode of a uh, of, of Big Brother? You know, these, is this your reality show locked in a room with three cats? <laughs> what happens next? I mean, you have to watch, right? Yeah, everyone's see, interested. See, Paul, here's your mistake. You told us about that. If you hadn't told us, everyone would just assume it was coming from me. Yes, <laughs> that's true. I would assume it was DJ Kitty. Now, with a little jingle in the, the cat box that auto cleans itself and. <laughs> Now I was <clears throat> I was up late last night and I, I, I drunk tweeted a little bit. Did, did, did you see the YouTube video that I sent? Yes, <laughs> that that was wrong in every way. I there was a YouTube video of a chimpanzee mouth raping a uh, a frog, and it goes on and on. And on, and what makes it so disturbing is that the the soundtrack is all the children watching and talking about it. He's he's trying to be that frog's friend. <laughs> <laughs> he really likes that frog. <laughs> and there's this there's this one scene where it cuts back, and you can just see the poor frog's legs kicking like whoa whoa. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell just happened? <laughs> <laughs> it's really quite wrong. <laughs> and and you tagged Daryl Gregory on I that. did. I did. <laughs> hey Daryl Gregory, put this in your next Planet of the Apes book. <laughs> <laughs> if that actually goes into a Planet of the Apes book, you you're going to have a lot to be accountable for, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm thinking if there is more of that kind of thing, Tim might like monkey books more. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to link to it in the show notes? Absolutely. There's no, amount, there's no amount of frog oral that is going to make me want a monkey book. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No. Jesus I, Christ. I, <laughs> what is, how, who looks up a video <laughs> that's called Chimp Rapes a Frog? Well, you know, there's a certain keywords you're looking for. You know, monkey frog fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Monkey frog rape. I've got a little Google alerts. <laughs> yeah. this is you know, I don't want to see Aaron. I say I don't want to see Aaron's cash for his Internet Explorer when he's drunk. <laughs> drunk browsing is a dangerous thing. Oh God, that was hysterical. <laughs> God, it's horrible. <laughs> it's like two girls, one cup. Horrible. <laughs> well, it just shows how closely related chimps are to humans because you know. You know you've seen a particularly nice-looking frog sometime and thought, huh, I bet I could have a go at that. <laughs> I've never I've never thought such a thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, my God. And then you look at the, the side-scrolling. This is YouTube. <laughs> a monkey trying to rape a goat. Dog raping cat to porn music. <laughs> Two dogs raping a cat. Gay monkey blowjob. <laughs> Stop. 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 All right, we don't have Paul for the rest of the episode. He's too busy watching YouTube. Uh, and there's something with a panda. Hey, oh, my right. God. That's fantastic. So I heard DC had a good one. <laughs> as good as the monkey? Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not opening that link. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, See, if you just, you know, Monkey Dan DiDio and Frog Joe Quesada, you know, it's all, you know, metaphorical. Exactly. That's really what we were going for. Yeah, here. that's right. <laughs> Class and literary metaphor on funny books. <sighs> <sighs> so, yeah, DC got themselves some market share. Yeah, for September for the first time uh, since, I think, December was the last time when the first issue of Batman The Dark Knight from David Finch came out of the first volume. DC won the market share for September, both in uh, sales and dollars. Yep. Um, and that's with lower-priced books and not including Justice League number one. Yeah, that, I, that, that's that's pretty outstanding when you think about uh, you know their 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 books are two ninety nine versus Marvel's three ninety nine for most of their books. Yeah, and when you think about the uh, the month that was out too, you've got all the Fear itself stuff that we don't enjoy, but other people seem to be <laughs> enjoying. Uh, Ultimate Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Number one came out and it broke digital sales records for comic books. Yep. And DC still took market share. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. And, you know, that's not even factoring in uh, any spikes they may have had digitally. Yeah. I mean, you know, DC, that's all print. And they're they still have... getting reprint sales of some of these books. Like, I yeah. bought Animal Man number one this week because I have the digital version and I didn't want digital version. 17 of the top 20 books for the month were DC books. Wow. The, the only three Marvels that made it were Fear Itself, number six, <clears> at number eight, uh, Ultimate Comic Spider-Man at number nine, and Amazing Spider-Man at number 18. That's amazing to me that uh, that Fear Itself was in the top 20. It's What's amazing, amazing to me is Paul just said that DC had 17 out of 20, but then named four Marvel books. Oh, no. This isn't only, adding up there. Only one Amazing Spider-Man issue made it. Amazing Spider-Man, Ultimate Comic Spider-Man, and Fear Itself. Yeah. Okay, you named two Fear Itself issues, though, six and eight. Oh, no, I said Fear Itself is at number eight. Ah, okay. <laughs> it's only a seven-issue miniseries. So Fear <laughs> Itself is number eight. <laughs> but, man, if they went to an eighth book... <laughs> I don't know. I dropped it at three because it was horrible. One. Go, Tim. The smart one. Yes. And just uh, for the record, if you do search for Dan Dio monkey, the first thing that pops up is him holding a monkey, a stuffed monkey dressed as Dark Side. You know where that's going. Show notes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, surprisingly, number one for the month was Batman number one. And then Action Comics, then Green Lantern. Flash was number four huh. on the list. All books I'm not getting. I wonder if yeah. Justice League would have been number one if it would have been included in this month. Oh, I think so. so. In fact, Justice League, and this is one thing that I was reading about, Justice sales of uh, second printings of Justice League and you know late sales, uh, you know late reorders of Justice League and all that, um, it was number forty-four in the month, and, and that's after uh, the month after it came out. Oh, it was okay. number forty-four. Yeah, DC is seeing '90s level sales on some of these books. Yeah, I'm I'm a little sad because uh, they want of, this month. <laughs> well, one of the books I really dig is uh, Omac, uh-huh. which is actually written by Dan DiDio and Keith Giffen. Uh, I actually really really dig dig the hell out of this book, um, but it's on the chopping block. It's selling well, but it's the lowest selling of the fifty two. And that was only for the first issue. What'll be really telling is if we get these numbers next month. 
and see what the sales are like for the issue twos and then after that the issue threes because i think around issue three is where we'll get kind of the a real baseline of how many people are going to keep buying these books yeah we we may have more sales for issue twos people giving it a second chance but issue three that's where we'll hit equilibrium paul what, what have you seen about omac that it's on the chopping block um, I was reading it on a just because it, DC. I mean, it, they're they're trying to run their things, their business like a business nowadays. Really? Um, yeah. Well, you huh. know, I mean, most comic <laughs> companies, you know, it's like, hey, we can send out leaked books. No one gives a shit. They'll buy it anyway. You know, DC's like, no, your book is getting out in thirty days, even if we have to get someone to fill it in. Period. Um, you know, not only that, you know, they're they're looking at these books very intently, and they're saying, you know. If you're even if you're selling well, it, it, but you're selling like shit compared to some of the other titles, you're on the chopping block. And though I think the bottom two are Men of War and OMAC. Um, that's not too surprising. Just you know, in terms of the genre. Yeah. Well, I mean, and OMAC. I got to be honest. It's a very, very select taste. I mean, if you love Jack Kirby, uh, Fourth World. Right. Um, stuff you'll love OMAC. Otherwise, it's not for you at all. Um, but I, I, like I said, I'm enjoying the hell out of the book. I, I really would be sad to see it go. But I also, you know, when I bought issue two and I finished it. I'm like, I don't think this book is going to last. Even before I read this article, I'm like, I don't think this book is going to last. So do I buy issue three and, and 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 support the book until it dies, or do I duck out now and not get invested? Like mighty thor right um <laughs> you know i'm like but you know if i duck out now then it's not getting sales so it's definitely going to get canceled but i don't know but to wayne's earlier point uh, from what i hear the sales on issues two uh issue two of some of these books have actually been better oh really yeah the, the supposedly wow. sales have actually gone up this month from last month which surprised the hell out of everybody and that's again that's orders from comic shops. Sure. That's not- yeah, that's what retailers are laying in, you know, so that you can buy them when they come out. Yeah, because yeah, retailers I, are ordering more to not end up with sellouts like they did last month, you know? I hope retailers aren't making a mistake by doing that, though, because I would hate to see retailers do all of these big orders of number two thinking the sales are going to go up and then end up with a lot of books sitting on the shelf because they go down from number one. Well, you know, the the tell will be, you know, four months from now, how much is how much of these books are in the quarter bins, you know, because, uh, you know, I, I think it's a it's a hard way to figure out what your what the right inventory is. You've got no experience with 52 of your books, you know, that are, that are going to be occupying your shelves. That's I, I, I think this is a rough market for the retailers to be in yeah. right now. You know, there's a comic shop here in St. Louis that does grab bags. Mm-hmm. They take, uh, they have both the teen rated grab bags and the mature ones, where they'll take four books, throw them in a bag, and it's three ninety nine. Mm-hmm. So I figure a couple months from now, I'll go grab a couple of these grab bags, and I might get some of the DC titles I didn't read. Yeah, or I, uh, cinnamon. I, I bought one of the. <laughs> no, they would. They wouldn't have something like cinnamon. It's it's too old, too classic. <laughs> classic. But no, I got. Uh, <laughs> I got Flashpoint Grout of War number one, the uh, the one shot. Yeah. In a in one of those uh, you know grab bags this weekend. Mm-hmm. I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I remember you guys seemed to enjoy it. So I loved Grout of War. Yeah, that was a good good one shot. Yeah. Yeah, unfulfilled, but you know it was yeah. a good tease. Yeah. So DC, you know, good month for 
excuse me, good month for DC, not only winning the market share, but also announcing uh, a deal with Kindle Fire, Kindle Fire being the um, the new Amazon color reader that they will be uh, distributing exclusively digitally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think 100 of their graphic novels, including things like Superman Earth One. One-click uh, purchases. One, we have one-click purchases, including a uh, Watchmen, uh, you know, The Dark Knight Returns. This is some of their biggest sailor, sellers, honestly. I, uh, I heard a word that that disturbs me there. Exclusive. Exclusive digitally. Yeah. Yes. That, so you that can't means- buy them through Comixology or any place else. You have to buy them through Kindle Fire. For I mean, it's probably only a. You know, well, I'm app. still annoyed that they don't have an app for Nook. Yeah. Well, apparently Barnes and Noble is too, um, because Barnes and Noble, in retaliation, <laughs> because you know we're 16 years old now, <laughs> um, Barnes and Noble, in retaliation, is taking the hundred books. Keep in mind, these are the top 100 selling DC books. Mm-hmm. Is taking these 100 books off of the shelves in their stores and refusing to sell them in stores. Period. Wow. They are not allowed on Barnes and Noble premises. You can order them online. You can go to the store and order them, but they cannot be shipped to the store. That's a poor business choice. Yeah, yeah. That you is. Know, and we're talking books like Preacher and you know, like I said, Watchmen. I mean, Watchmen's still one of the top selling books. You know. Well, and along those lines, uh, retailers have also had some negative response to. Marvel's decision to release Avenging Spider-Man, uh, you know, when, when they when they sell you a print version, they're going to give you a free digital version. And I watched on Twitter this week as comic shop retailers pitched a bitch about that, about how the digital sellers were using the uh, print media to steal their customers. And I'm just like, you guys just don't understand digital at all. You know the the digital marketplace is here to stay. So if you're if you're not going to embrace it, you're going to go out of business. You know you got to get you got to get behind digital. You got to figure out how to make it work with the print business. And the retailers are just being afraid of it is ridiculous. I from my perspective as a consumer, if I can go to my comic shop and buy my comic and get my free digital version as well, that that is added value for me. Yeah, that makes I think that's really cool, even if I have no intention of reading the digital version. Yeah. I, I still hate reading digital comics. I hate reading them on the computer screen. I can't read them on the Nook. So I, you know, if I could, maybe I would enjoy that more because it's a device. I love but reading, I, reading them on my iPad. I do. I just absolutely love it. But, you know, it, it honestly, it hurts my eyes to stare at the screen like that and try to try to read a comic on it. That was the that's the problem I actually have with the Nook. The Nook is my wife's Nook. I can't read books on there mm-hmm. because I get eye strain. It's not I didn't have that problem with the e-ink devices, mm-hmm. but now that you're getting a full color, these aren't e-ink anymore. It's full screen. Sure. Hmm. Well, I, I I think it's it's rather foolish on uh, Barnes and Noble's part. I agree. So, what do you think about this Avenging Spider-Man? I mean, was anybody planning on buying it anyway? Yeah, I plan on giving it a shot, even though it has Red Hulk on the cover. That's a big drawback from it. Yeah, I, I gotta say, I'll probably pick up number one. Yeah, I will I'm, enjo- I'm enjoying Spider-Man enough these days that I'll give it a shot. I'm not sure I'm gonna, we need another Spider title, but... You know. you know, I'm on a bit of a Spider kick right now. I've, I was telling Aaron before we started recording that 
since I've got that uh, the comic book furniture that my wife got me for my birthday, I've got all of my Ultimate Spider-Mans up, and I'm going through rereading the entire run, and I'm on like issue 60 now. So I'm in a big Spider-Man kick. So yeah, new Spider-Man title, I'll be buying it. Yeah. I, I got to be honest though, if I like it, I would actually be okay with them moving uh, Amazing Spider-Man back to to once monthly. Instead of yeah, same here. Two. I I wouldn't need it every other week. I don't need three Spider-Man books a month. Two, okay. Yeah. Three. Now we're pushing it. Now we're getting into Batman level of, you know, <laughs> of ridiculousness. <laughs> of ridiculousness. Yeah. Um. Now, or or we're getting into Avengers level of ridiculousness because you know you've got your new Avengers, you've got your regular Avengers, you've got your Dark Avengers, your, you got your Avengers. Great Lakes Avengers, you've got West your Coast Avengers. Actually. Your... All I have is I don't have any of those because I don't read any of those. I have Avengers Academy. One of Avengers, oh, Avengers Academy. There you go. I forgot about that one. Now I oh Pet Avengers. Oh yes, that's right. The Pet Avengers uh-huh. and the Marvel Adventures Avengers and all that. Um, now there is the Secret Avengers, which have been around, you know, for for a little bit. The book was started by Ed Brubaker, who has left the title recently. And um, it was recently taken over by Warren Ellis, who is doing done-in-one tales, different artists on every book. The, I think the first issue was by um, – I don't know the guy's name off the top of my head. That uh, but guy. He, Kieran, yeah, that guy. He worked with Kieran Gillen on Thor. I remember that much. Um, and the second issue was uh, featuring the art of Kev Walker from Thunderbolts. And I loved the, have been loving the series. I have added it to my pull. Aaron gave it a shot. Yeah, I picked up issue 17. Yeah. I picked up issue 17, the issue where, you know, a demonic truck is uh, plaguing Eastern Europe. And, you know, I kind of felt like I should mock Paul. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And so I picked it up, and it was actually really good. I told you. You know, number one, I thought Kev Walker was on fire with pencils on this book. I mean, I, 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 they were they're amazing. You know, one of the How things can that, an issue with the demonic truck be good? That makes no sense. You know, and I have to say, honestly, Paul, I can't explain it. I mean, I know exactly. it's our job here on the podcast. I really can't <laughs> explain why it's so good other than to say um, that, number one, Kev Walker does an amazing job on the pencils. One of the things that, that I, I think comics rarely do well is show aerial combat. You know, with like, you know, aircraft. And I thought he did a fantastic job on that. I mean, there really was a lot of tension on those pages and you you could really feel the action. But the action on the ground as well was was just terrific. And it was it was very cinematic in the way it was drawn. I really enjoyed the pairing of these three heroes. You had War Machine, Valkyrie and Steve Rogers. Um, It really was just terrific. And there's. It's kind of dark in that, you know, they're called in. They wanted to send in the secret Avengers because nobody wants uh, uh, a lot of attention on what's going on in Kosovo. And so, you know, the the secret Avengers go in and turns out that maybe it was the Brits that were behind the. Uh, and and I, I actually thought we were going to see a little bit of, of a Deathlock technology here, Paul. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I thought maybe we were going to link it to Deathlock technology, I should say, because these were. Uh, uh, cyborgs that were, you know, utilizing mostly dead meat <laughs> for their uh, for their uh, uh, biologic components. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was it was very dark, 
I liked how gritty Steve Rogers was represented in the book, you know, and how disgusted yeah. he was with this job. Uh, I just thought the book was fantastic. I, I, I will pick up the next issue, particularly like the idea of done in ones. Yeah, and uh, the issue before it was quite good. Again, I don't remember the artist's name, but he, you know, he's a he's an acquired taste. I know Tim didn't pick it up because of the way the guy drew Beast. Um, but the first issue featured Beast, Moon Knight, uh, and Cap, and Black Widow in like an underground Hydra base. Again, done in one tale. You can pick up one issue, um, and if you like the artist, and the next issue focuses on um, Shang Chi, I believe. Yeah, that's what the what the teaser art would suggest. Yeah, so. Uh, I mean, I, I have subscribed to the title. I have liked two issues uh, so far, and you know, Warren Ellis. I think I don't know how long he's going to be on the title. I don't even know how long the title is going to last because um, it seems like now that Steve Rogers is Captain America, this right. might be a limited time deal anyway. Right. But I'm 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 really enjoying the way it's being done now, uh, much more than I did when the book first started. Yeah. So you know, I, surprisingly enough, Paul recommended a, a book I enjoyed. Yeah. Now, a book that I went into with some hesitation this week was Swamp Thing number two. Um, I had I had enjoyed issue one, uh, but I was on the fence about picking up issue two. But Tim was going to buy issue two, so I thought, eh, I'll give I'll give issue two a shot. Tim, what'd you think of it? Uh, I thought it was solid. I I think it like like we said about the like issue one. I think it it has just enough of a dark feel that it, it feels like you know you're older, you know. 80s 90s swamp thing i i uh you know I, I like some of the stuff they did they did visually with it it is definitely a trippy book <laughs> it's definitely reminiscent of like you know 1970s taking something kind of feel for some of these pages with the green yeah. and all that but uh, you know, i thought it was i thought it was good not great but good no, I actually I enjoyed it. I, I really did enjoy it. Um, and one thing that you're not getting the enjoyment out of that I am is that it is actually closely tied to Animal Man. Um, and I know Wayne's like, damn it. But because uh, the, the Animal Man features the red, green or Swamp Thing features the green. And apparently there's three main forces. There's the green, the red, and then there's the other. Um, and, and I think that's talked about, I believe, in Swamp Thing. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, so I, I enjoy the you know the, the ties that they have to each other. I I, I like Swamp Thing, uh, and I, I like I said I hesitated with issue two, but I, I'm I think I'm on board. I'm I'm curious about the story, and it's not it's more of a horror book than a superhero book. Yeah, you know, and which is which is appropriate for Swamp Thing. I mean, when Alan Moore wrote him, you know, back in the eighties. You know that that's the the type of style that he did, and this is very much in that style. So I'm 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 on board. I'm digging it. Are you on board for issue three? I think so. I think so. I I think it's definitely a different book than what I usually get. So it's it's been it's been interesting. You know. Yeah. It it's been very uh, re, you know, walk down memory lane kind of stuff with the the way they write and draw this book. So I, I think I'm going to get the next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm digging it. Uh, like I said, if you're into something a little more horror based, you know, uh, you know, supernatural heroes, you know, don't pick up Justice League Dark because that book sucks. <laughs> uh, pick up Swamp Thing. So it's definitely, it's definitely not everybody's cup of tea. No, I'll agree. And the art is very, very different. Like you said, it's very trippy. You know, it's mm-hmm. got a very different style to it. Um, so, I mean, if you're going for big superhero action like Wayne, not up your alley. 
Would Action Comics number two be up your alley? Let's ask Aaron. Oh, God. <clears throat> I, I, I have to break my comments down about Action Comics in two separate categories. I have to, to review it as a comic and then review it as a purchase. Okay? So the yes. comic content of this book was fantastic. I loved the story uh, page after page. Um, there, the, the story opens up with uh, Superman having been captured by the government, uh, which uh, Lex Luthor is on staff. And they're essentially torturing him, just trying to figure out what he can take. You know, they've got him strapped into an electric chair and, you know, just keep turning the knob up. Um, Superman's a little dark, you know, in these pages. He, uh, he, uh, you know, messes with them, <laughs> you know, uh, threatens them. I mean, he actually, you know, holds Lex Luthor hostage for a moment and, and threatens to snap his neck, um, which is not a typical Superman type of action. Um, we do see something reminiscent from the Flashpoint books. We do see what appears to be the skeleton of crypto. There. Oh, I know. Very you know, I was wondering about that when I looked at it. It didn't look like a normal dog skeleton. It's, I don't know. I was trying yeah. to figure out exactly what it was supposed to be. I, if it does turn out that's crypto, I'm going to be very annoyed. Uh, same here. Same here. But it's interesting. I mean, that's that's what I'm going to give it right now. We're still very early on in this story. Um, I dug I dug the, the comic book pieces of this book. I, it was interesting to see an edgier, darker Superman. Um, which I attribute to his youth because you know this is the the youngish Superman in these pages. But wait, wait, wait! Before we get to the but, okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't you know I don't want to move from the comic portion of this of this book yet uh-huh. because a couple things I wanted to note. Um, there were there was a fill-in artist for some of the pages. Uh-huh. Um, Brent Anderson uh, filled in for Rags Morales, and it. it Rags Morales did kind of like all the Superman scenes mm-hmm. and Brent Anderson did kind of all the Lois Lane scenes. Yeah. And Brent and, Anderson's art sucks. Yeah. Well, there, there are certainly uh, a couple of pages where Lois Lane looks frumpy. Yeah. You know, I was you like, know it was odd on one page. She looked and right near the beginning. Mm-hmm. She's frumpy on the middle panel, but on the bottom, she looks fine. Yeah. On yeah. the same page. Yeah. Uh, well, and not only that, he draws Superman very differently because Rags Morales draws him as very young and skinny. And there's a scene where Lois runs into Superman, and Superman is like this tall, you know, buff dude. And that's just not the way he's drawn throughout the rest of the book. Uh, the, the art styles did not fit together at all. Yeah. So that was a shame, you know, and I get it. Like I said, you know, DC wants these books out on time. I do too. Uh, so, you know. From a, story, from a story standpoint, it kind of has a – I don't want to say it has a Smallville feel, but it has a little bit of that because you have cameos all over the place. Mm-hmm. I mean you've got multiple characters that mean something to us that have been reading Superman for a long time that are just put into the story in a different role at this point. I also found it very interesting they're going with the indestructible cape again. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know – I have no strong opinion about whether it should or shouldn't be indestructible, but I can say that some of the best art, some of the ways you show that Superman was in a tough fight is to have the cape get shredded when the costume doesn't. Right. 
And I think you lose that ability to show this has been a tough fight when he gets a little more powerful. Right now, you just make him bleed because he can bleed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But once he's at full strength without being able to shred that cape to show, oh, he was in a rough fight, I think they're limiting themselves a little bit there. But, you know, I don't have a str- – I'm not one of the people that falls down on the, the side of it has to be indestructible or it has to be sh- you know able to shred. Yeah, I just I tend to prefer the shredding, but I'm I'm fine with it. Now, one thing about this book, there's a scene where Superman runs across um, his ship, the ship yes. that carried him to Earth, and it calls to him, and it's and it says "Hala Kalel, Ha La La," and it does all this chanting. And I got to tell you, for a second, I had a flashback. Um, because it was the, the chanting that it does is very reminiscent of the chanting in Neonomicon, mm-hmm. Alan Moore's Neonomicon. So I, I, I freaked out. I, I this book, that <laughs> Neonomicon book, was that traumatizing to me. I have expected to turn the page and see a Kryptonian penis or something. <laughs> uh, you know, Doomsday, Ash rape Superman or something. I, it was, uh, I, I shuddered for a minute, but. Thankfully, you know, that that did not occur. This is not written by Alan Moore. So you are safe. There is no Kryptonian penis in action comics. There is only the rape of your wallet, Aaron. Well, and I have to say that I was a little disappointed with the last panel. I I really don't want to do a Brainiac story so soon. It just seems like we've had a lot of Brainiac recently. Uh, And uh, it, it sure does look like we're about to get another Brainiac story. See, I, I didn't read the uh, the Brainiac story they did in Superman not too long ago, so I haven't read a Brainiac story in a long time. So I have no problem with them going into it. My only complaint with the issue is it felt like it was way too short. Well, yeah, because you only got twenty pages of comic for three ninety nine. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's the by the problem. time I I, I was but, furious. <laughs> yeah, know, I wanted the story to keep going because I was so into it, and then I I look, it's like, well. It looks like I have half the book left to go, but none of this is story. What's going on here? Yeah, you've got uh, uh, like 12, 13, 14 pages of not comic after the story ends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they're, they're doing like sketch pages and, you know, uh, inside the action, get an exclusive peek behind the scenes of the creation of action comics one, one, one and two with Grant Morrison and Rags Morales now. If that was truly a selling point to this book, it would have been on the cover. They knew they were fucking you when they put this book together. Why in the hell couldn't they have made this a two ninety nine book? I'd have been happy with this book as a two ninety nine book. But no, they've decided that three ninety nine is the cover price for action comics, so they had to put some crap in there that I wouldn't otherwise buy. I was yeah, furious uh, when I read this book. They pulled a Marvel, really, yeah, they did. honestly. Yeah. You know, and uh, that, I, I, I was pissed off about it. And I get it. You know, I get that they have solicited this book as a three ninety nine book. You know, but if this is going to continue down this path, uh, that the artist is not going to be able to meet the demands, and you have to keep your stories at twenty pages, drop it to two ninety nine. Exactly. Because I, you know, again. You know, I I I more than anybody am happy to go out there and complain about Grant Morrison and you know call a crappy story a crappy story. I really enjoyed the comic portion of this book. What I didn't enjoy is being the frog to Dan DiDio's monkey. 
that's what I didn't enjoy being. Yeah, I mean, this book is so good story. <laughs> this book is so good story wise. I don't want to have something like the price to bitch about, but I, I'm with you. Right, but when I got to the end of this thing and I realized how short it was, I was upset by that. And then oh, yeah. I noticed it was one of the few 3.99 books I got this week for less story than the 2.99 books. Yep. Yeah. So you know. And if you factor out the pages that weren't drawn by Rags Morales, you didn't even get as high a quality as artwork as you've gotten in other two ninety nine books this week. Correct. So yeah, I, I hope DC will, you know, take. I, I hope this was just a last minute thing that they freaked out because the story wasn't done, and so they did this, and that they'll learn their lesson for the next issue. I just, I, I don't want this to continue. Uh, well, yeah, I love well, this book. And too with the for that. with the new mentality of DC, I wouldn't be surprised if they have. On one of their uh, their whiteboards of doom, a list of all the writers or all of the artists that aren't making their deadlines. Oh, I'm sure because they they were very adamant before this. If you want to be part of the new 52, you have three months in ahead of time. So if people aren't making these deadlines, they've got to be on a a short list. Yeah, but and you know I- what, what's sad about this? You know, is it was 3.99 for print, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then on Comixology, it will drop in four weeks. It'll drop to two ninety nine. There's no reason. I mean, you could just peel out those extra pages and make it a dollar ninety nine purchase point. Yeah. Well, I got to be honest. Uh, are those extra pages even in the Comixology book? I would if, imagine they are. Yeah, for three ninety nine, they have. They better be. But. Yeah. But I mean, I, I didn't read them. I didn't really look at them. I'm not interested in that. You know, I got to be honest. They weren't bad, though. I mean, they're interesting. I'm, I did read them. I, I thought they had some interesting points. It was interesting to see some of the story choices that they went with. See, I'm interested in that in the trade. I don't want that in my floppy. You know, I want that in the collected version. I don't, I don't want to see that in my in my floppy. I really don't. That's the that's the kind of thing they should save for the absolute edition when they yeah. release it. Yeah. Well, or you know, when the book is late and has to make it out on time. Drop the damn price. That's exactly. all there is to it. Exactly. I mean, it, it just infuriates me because I mean that was just it was just a grab at your wallet is all that was. But all that aside, it, I did enjoy the book. I, I I've subscribed. I'm on board. I got to tell you, what they've made me do is is that when issue three comes out, I will flip through the book, and if the and if I see that they've done the same thing, I won't pick up issue three. Well, let's hope they don't. Yeah. Because I mean, I, I DC. I mean, which what they've done is, and I got to think about that. You think about the new readers that are coming in, you know, folks who are newly picking up comics. You and I are ticked off about it. We're actually familiar with this kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. What does the new guy think? Yeah, you know, it, it's just it's not. It, it is actually not fair. No, to, it's not to the consumer. It's not customer. Yeah, it's not customer friendly. You know, this is this is a company that fucked up for at whatever level there was a screw up. We need to fill the back of that book as opposed to let's drop the price point. Let's do the right thing and only charge the the consumer for what they want to buy for what they want to buy. You know, as opposed to we need to make three ninety nine on this book. What crap can we throw in there? Yeah. So now uh, I'm curious because. Aaron, uh, based on your your Twitter comments and a conversation we had earlier this week, you read Superman Earth One. I did. 
which uh you know it, it's kind of familiar territory with action comics you know they they both tackled the first year of Clark Kent as Superman uh how do you think they compare you know uh i'm not on the Shane Davis train like a lot of folks are um i i did not find the artwork to be nearly as amazing as many other reviewers said it was i think it's a nicely put together book and, you know it was released in hardback um, it's a it's a pretty book, particularly the the uh, the cover and uh, you know uh, trade dress to it. It's familiar territory. Um, I did not find it to have such a unique voice as say uh, Harlan Ellison and Max Brooks and Tom Fontana, all who have comments on the back of the book. Uh, you know, <laughs> share. I, I I didn't find it to be so uniquely different from what we already knew about Superman. You know, the, 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 the big change between this Clark Kent versus the Clark Kent that we're familiar with is that he actually struggles a little bit about whether or not to be Superman, you know, or to be a football star or to be a, you know, uh, super scientist or, you know, to do any number of other things that he could use his unique abilities to profit himself or his family. You know, uh, that was the big change for me, just the personality of him as Clark before yeah. before he dons the suit. I really enjoyed Earth One, but I enjoyed it for what it was, a standalone yeah. separate thing. If they do more trades of them, you know, if they can if they do the next part of the story like they were originally supposed to, I'll pick up the next part because I thought it was a interesting take that was different mm-hmm. in that I like that there was a the destruction of Krypton wasn't a random thing. It was right. an assassination of a planet. Well, and one of the things that, I, that, that is unique about it is he gets his, his – he, he makes contact with the, with the ship that you know, brought him to Earth. So similar to Action Comics, he finds you know, the ship, right? And the ship talks to him. And one of the things that the ship reveals, you know, it's a message from his father and mother and, you know, kind of, you know, tells him to be of good character, yada, yada, and then says, and avenge our deaths. And I think that's an interesting note, making Superman a little darker, you know, because now he, whether or not he chooses to act on it, he's got a mission of vengeance. You know, as opposed to a mission of of justice, it's a mission of vengeance. It is a bit of the same feel of what we're getting now yeah. in that people don't necessarily, you know, trust Superman and they don't nec- they don't trust aliens and they're not sure how to deal with aliens. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed Jimmy Olsen in that book, though. You know, what was kind of nice is that Jimmy Olsen wasn't a uh, dork in the book. You know, he is very much um, a photographer approaching the top of his game, you know, yeah. And- and, and and I like that. You know, I like seeing him not nearly so much in the role of Superman's pal, but really more along the lines of professional peer. Yeah, you know, I mean, Kent. they treated it like, you know, a newspaper photographer is someone who constantly puts their life in danger. You know, this is a guy that's got to be brave enough to run into the middle of the fight or get into a truck and save Superman's life. Yeah. I got such a kick out of that version of Jimmy more so than the uh, the regular, well, the previous regular Jimmy, mm-hmm. because it was it was just more interesting character to me to be a strong character that's willing to 
throw himself in harm's way to save Superman. Well, and I, and I liked the choice that, you know, because the, at the opening of this book, the Daily Planet is, you know, a once great lady of Metropolis fallen on hard times. You know, and the characterization is, you know, this the paper is staffed by people who are up and coming, and once they once they come up, they're gone. They don't stay there. And so, you know, as Superman or Clark Kent is is looking to make choices about his professional life, he chooses the Daily Planet not because of the Daily Planet's history and being such a great newspaper, but because of what he observed in, in uh, the 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 crisis. With in the way Lois and Jimmy behave and how they, you know, put themselves out there while other reporters were fleeing the scene, they were out there getting the story, getting the pictures, and actually helping out. You know, uh, so I, there, there's a lot I liked about the book. Um, I, I'm really not a big Shane Davis guy, um, and I, it and also I, to me suffered from a bit of smallbillism in that you have Clark Kent walking around without the glasses and yeah. not in. Uh, you know, not in typical Clark Kent mode. Why isn't someone going to recognize him as Superman when he actually, you know, shows up? Yeah, I do like the uh, the emphasis that they've placed both here and in Action Comics on his eyes. You know, and with the uh, you know the, the the red you know heat vision eyes, and we did get to hear in Action Comics that he doesn't just shoot you know his heat vision; he can actually broadcast like microwaves and other types of radiation with his uh uh with his eye powers which i think is kind of cool agreed i think he's gonna be great that all he's got to do is look at a bag of popcorn to pop it because <laughs> <laughs> aaron would aaron would use those skills to their full effect oh i sure would i sure would yeah thanksgiving dinner bam done never a cold turkey on the table again so you know who else loves frogs other than monkeys? <laughs> Animal Man does. This is true. <laughs> now the question is, do we love Animal Man? Uh, issue 2 came out this week. Um, now Wayne and I both loved issue 1. Well, I loved issue 1. Uh, I know Wayne loved oh, I, it. No, I loved issue 1. I picked now, it, Aaron, was my, it was my book of the week that week. Oh, that's right, that's right. Aaron read issue 1 after the fact. Yeah. I, I picked it up for a buck ninety nine on Comixology this week, and it's all right. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, you know, it, it, <clears throat> I thought, I enjoyed it more than I thought I might enjoy an Animal Man book. Cause I'm not a big fan of the character, and it was all right. Yeah, and I'm coming at this because I I am a big fan of the character. I I was already won over for Animal Man before I picked up the first issue because I like the original Grant Morrison run on it. I like what they did with him during the uh you know the 52 time frame and the countdown when all of that was going on. I like some of those mini series he was in. This is a very different type of Animal Man story and issue 2 actually was weirder and creepier than issue 1. Yeah. And not only weirder and creepier, I actually thought issue two was better than issue one. And I really loved issue one. All I got to say is when your daughter asks for a dog, you get her a dog. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. I mean, we get to see in the, in this issue, Aaron, his daughter is far more powerful than we had ever imagined. I mean, she turns a person's hand into like a chicken paw. That's not good. Yeah. I know it's. I say it is really, really a creepy book. 
this is Paul mentioned before that this was kind of like a uh, superhero horror story, and this issue fits that feel even better. I mean, the creepiness beginning to end, and this artwork really sells the creepiness factor. Yeah, I, I, it's almost like a Stephen King superhero book. Because him and his daughter are on this journey into the red, which the red hasn't fully been explained yet, but it's like this dark other world mm-hmm. where these creatures come from. And, you know, it's just it, it's he he's not doing superheroing right now. And, you know, I'm sure eventually he will. But right now there's a, a story, you know, there there's not just I'm going to go stop the bank robbers. I'm going to fight the supervillain. You know, it's him and his daughter venturing to this other realm. Uh, you know, trying to understand her powers and his powers. I just, I'm really enjoying that. Yet, it's still a family book. I mean, that's one of the things I get in the beginning half of it. The conversations are wonderful. There's a cat there that she's trying to feed this cat milk. But the cat is just a skeleton that she's brought back from the dead. So as she's pouring this into its mouth, it's pouring all over the counter. And her mom's yelling at her to stop feeding the cat because she's making a mess on the counter i mean how surreal is that moment to look over and see your daughter feeding the skeleton of a cat milk and then complain about a messed up counter see that's why i'm not a cat person (laughs) her name is mrs pickles and she's thirsty <laughs> and I love it because he's like, you know, this is. I like that there's a family dynamic because at one point he's like, you know, because his daughter brings back these dead animals, and the the animal man looks at his son. He's like, go bury those the rest of go bury those bodies again. Or he's like, you know, go cover up the graves, and you know, it's like that's super heroic. Have your son cover up <laughs> your daughter's grave robbing. But that's parenting. I mean, if well, Andrew were here, he'd tell you that is parenting. Well, and what I love is most books would just have that happen. You know, he would if they tell the kid to do that, the kid goes and does it, comes back later. In this book, he gets caught doing it. And you get to see this very angry man who caught the kid, you know, digging in his yard. And they have to deal with the repercussions of this very angry man, you know, holding their kid by the scruff of his neck. So, I mean, I enjoyed the hell out of this book. I'm on board. Uh, you know, sign me up for issue three. Yeah, I still have no idea what's going on, but I'm loving every minute of it. It's, I mean, it's like a Grant Morrison run, only good, <laughs> which isn't fair to say since I'm enjoying it. Since I'm enjoying his run on action right now, but see, it is the typical head trip of a like what Grant Morrison would do, except it's good and it's not confusing. You just don't know what's going on. This is all clearly, clearly marks of the Antichrist at work. Clearly, <laughs> well, and so bunch fifty-two number twos came out are coming out this month. And on top of that, DC is releasing some new number ones. I don't think any ongoing series, but some miniseries starting this month, including Huntress number one. Um, miniseries written by Paul Levitz, art by Red Robin's Marcus Toe. And uh, I think I convinced Tim and Wayne to buy this book that I was originally only buying myself. Um, so uh, My Tim, buying it had nothing to do with you, but I bought uh, it. I think so. So essentially, go to hell, Paul. Essentially, essentially, shut your fat mouth. Yeah, <laughs> shut your frog mouth. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was purely by because of you, Paul. 
Uh, uh, then so you're half right. There you go. So Tim, what'd you think? Um, I, I well, it goes without saying that I love the art because I've I've liked Marcus Toe, um, you know, in his Red Robin run. Um, there's a lot of nice scenes. There's one where the Huntress is kicking ass in a nighty. That's pretty cool. But I, I, the story just didn't grab me. I guess. I, I guess I'm not sure what I would expect from a Huntress story, but. It was like like the characterization was fine, but like the whole uh, shipping legal contraband to Gotham from Milan or wherever the hell they are. Eh. Yeah, it was, it was only okay. Like I guess that's that's my opinion. Yeah. Well, I gotta See, say, I, I'm. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Wayne. I say I fall on the other side of it in that I did I got this because I flipped through it and it looked really good. You know, the art was part of the selling on it. I can't say that I either like or dislike Huntress. I mean, I, I've read a few things with her in it that I really like. Typically, though, she's just a background character that I don't care about. And I found I, I enjoyed this title quite a bit. It's not like a book of the week or anything for me, but it was it was fun. The art looked wonderful. Uh, I like the voice they're giving her, The basically just the personality of her. So, yeah, I'm on board for the miniseries. I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I'm debating being on board because I, Marcus Toe, I gotta say this is, you know, he did great on Red Robin, but this is even better than his stuff on Red Robin. I mean, I, yeah, I thought the art, the art is in this a book big was, selling point. Yeah, I mean, it's beautiful art on this book. I thought the story was a little generic. Um, I, I you know, uh, the, she's basically she's overseas. She comes across this smuggling ring of prostitution. Blah blah blah. It just seems something I've seen a million times before. Um, and I well, do. And like what I found annoying by that, what I found annoying by the story being generic, is that we have no idea if there's anything new or different about her in the New Fifty Two. Yeah, this well, was her I, number one issue, but we don't really see because we don't see her in Gotham much. We don't see her normal dynamic. We don't know if this is if she's a changed character or if she's the exact same Huntress. Yeah. Well, and I'm not that familiar with the Huntress. To know if, you know, even if they told me a different story, I don't know if I'd know. Um, you know, I would have been okay starting it with a little bit more of a, uh, I don't know, maybe a, a, an origin story or something. Because uh, I'm just not that familiar with the character. I was hoping I would enjoy this more. I, I'm, I'm, I'm leery about issue two. I might pick up issue two. Uh, I know it's only a six issue miniseries. I just... The art is really what would pull me in on issue two, not the story at this point. So awesome page of the book for me was uh, Huntress is chasing down someone who's running downstairs and she dives over the stairs and buries both of her knees in this guy's chest. The art is so beautiful on that page and shows the motion of her flying down the stairs and smashing into this guy with a sound effect of crunch. She cracked ribs. That's, there's no way you'd make that jump without cracking ribs. So the the scene where she high kicks the guy in her nighty, not your favorite page? That is a close number two for different reasons entirely. <laughs> now, Detective Comics number two came out this week, speaking of Gotham City. Uh, issue one, uh, if you remember, featured one of the most shocking last pages of the new 52 where Joker's face was, was cut off and hung to the wall of uh, his prison cell. 
So, you know, issue two was kind of like, it was kind of like a must buy. Like, what do you do after that? Aaron, can I go first? Can I bitch? Wayne can go Cause first. Because I, 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 I want to bitch about this. You're right. The last page was a must buy. I didn't really enjoy Detective 1 very much, but at the end, that was a must buy. I must buy issue 2 to find out what happens with Joker. You know what happens with Joker? I don't, because it's not in this issue. They end on a freaking cliffhanger of Joker's face being pinned to a wall, and we get no resolution for that whatsoever. He's not in the book in any way, and they end it on another freaking cliffhanger. (laughs) Another awesome cliffhanger honestly Just yes, another cliffhanger that is the type of cliffhanger that makes you want to buy the next issue to see what's going to happen i i was so upset that we don't see the joker you know resolution in here and that they ended it on another cliffhanger another amazing cliffhanger the the writers of this book can definitely do cliffhangers we've seen that let's see the resolution to some of this though it's still early in the storyline. I know it'll be resolved. It's not like Joker's going to be without a face till issue 50. I'm sure it'll come up before issue 6. Well, and he may have a face now. He may have someone else's face. We don't know because he's not in this book. <laughs> so, Aaron? I did not have uh, uh, Wayne's concerns here. I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you, Paul. It's still early in the story. I didn't really expect to even see Joker in this book, except maybe off-panel, you know, hearing some of his dialogue. Um, so I, I was not surprised that we didn't get Joker here because I think, I think, the big tell in this uh, arc is going to be what the hell's going on with Joker's face. <laughs> Um, and so, I mean, I think they're going to hold back and, and share that, you know, probably tease it a little bit more in issue three and then, you know, four and five, you'll get some details on that, but you're absolutely right. This is a, a, a pretty awesome, uh, cliffhanger and, you know, it, it leaves you wondering what the hell's going to happen there, you know? Yeah. I will uh, say I am on board for issue three because I thought this issue was a hundred times better than issue one. I had my issues with issue one. I thought it was too dark. I didn't think the story was being told very well. I thought the improvements with this issue over last issue were night and day difference. I I actually enjoyed the book, even though I was angry that I only bought it because of the Joker thing and Joker wasn't in it. I well, still enjoyed it. And let's compare and contrast between action comics and detective comics in that you know you had fantastic artwork beginning to end in this book uh, with some standout pages. Uh, the, the, the page where... Uh, you've got the two-page spread with Batman on the Bat Cycle, oh, yes. uh, leaping, you know, high in the air over uh, Arkham Asylum. It, you know, with Arkham Asylum in the background. That's a beautiful page. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just really dig it. Um, but you know, the art is consistent from beginning to end. It is a uh, a quality story. I, you know, I, I know Wayne disagrees a little bit with that. It's quality story from beginning to end. Uh, I was happy to pay how much, Paul. Two ninety nine for this book. Again, and I think I may have even gotten a page more of story in Batman Detective Comics than I got in Action Comics for three ninety nine. Yeah. It was exactly twenty pages of story. I just counted while okay. you were talking. Yeah. Okay. Now uh, so it was the same the same number of pages. Yeah. Okay. Now I gotta say, Detective Comics. Uh, the first issue I had some issues with the art. If you remember, I felt like some of the I felt like the art was inconsistent. Um, now those issues are not. In the second issue of uh, the, those 
concerns are not in the second issue of Detective Comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it was much more solid throughout. You know, the car- character models seemed on. It's not like Batman was the Hulk in one panel and then Batman in the next. You know, it was it was right. consistent throughout. Um, the stories is really interesting and very dark. Um, and what 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 cracks me up is that Batman is such a whore in the new <laughs> yeah. DC universe. He really is. He's a man. I whore. Mean, we have not read two. I mean, we've read like five Batman comics so far, uh, you know, since the start of the new 52. And in every one, he is either flirted with or slept with a different woman. Yeah. Well, I think it's important to note that a, that a key distinction between this Batman and, you know, the uh, post crisis Batman is that new 52 Batman gets some ass. Yes. I mean, he's just yes. knee deep in it. He's yeah. given he's given up and moved on past the, you know, obsessing over the death of his parents. What's the first thing you do when you give up obsessing the death of your parents? You, you sleep with a different person in every book. You nail yeah. Catwoman. Yeah, and it's some just random a given. He is in a, your office. A, you know, and maybe it's the other way around. Maybe he's willing to give up that obsession and celebrate their anniversary more because. You know, he's happier because he's getting some more often. Well, yeah. Either way, happier Batman, having sex more often. Those two are related somehow. Yeah. Well, and I got to <laughs> say. One does that, cause the other. Let, let's hope he's wearing a rubber this time so there's no any, you know, there's well, no little a, Damien running around. It's a bat condom. A bat condom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, apparently, did anyone read this scene at the beginning This as homoerotic? Yeah, a little bit. He's he's yeah. rock climbing, and this guy comes in. He's like, "Oh, we have a business meeting. Oh, you're rock climbing. Let me just take off my shirt and climb these rocks with you. And I think you're awesome. And I'm going to do a business deal with you because we climbed rocks together." Well, and what you're not seeing is, you know, and what you will see in the absolute edition is the extended shower scene with the two of them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Here, Bruce, you're looking a little stressed out. <laughs> well, and followed by Batman having sex with some random chick in his office. That's right. But no, I, I enjoyed this book very much. I thought the cliffhanger, you know, uh, uh, maybe not as strong as the cliffhanger of the first issue, but a pretty damn solid cliffhanger. Um, it, it seems like Tony Daniel is getting away with a lot uh, in this book, and I'm on board. Yeah, I am. No, it's so, good stuff. Well, you know, William Paul was asking uh, last night on Twitter, you know, he had found where DC's offering uh, $20 annual subscriptions to their comics. And he's like, you know, uh, you know, what would you recommend? And Detective Comics, I, I, I can recommend, you know, with with little little concern, Agreed. you know, uh, and if were it not for, you know, getting hosed so hard on Action Comics this week, I'd recommend Action Comics as well. I will agree as well. Yeah. yeah. What about Thunderbolts? Can we recommend Thunderbolts, Tim? What do you think? Uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of curious to hear what you have to say about this one first, Aaron. Why do I have to do all the work? I, I just I want to hear your opinion. I you know, see if I'm on I'm on an island. I really enjoyed the Kev Walker art- artwork. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm so glad that we're outside of uh, Fear itself. Um, I got a kid. The, the, the setting of this is that uh, some of the Thunderbolts have escaped into the past. They have landed in World War II Germany and, uh, you know, are, are you know, trying to determine 
if we take actions here, you know, how do we affect time? That kind of thing. I love how Moonstone has changed her appearance to be more appropriate to the period. So, I mean, I think there's some, there's some nice gags on the page. Um, I liked the book. I just didn't love the book. Oh, I thought it was great. Did you? <laughs> I, I did. I, 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 you know, I got a kick out of, uh, World War II Namor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought it was kind of cool that to address the period, Zatanna or uh, Satana looked hotter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got a kick because there's one scene where uh, uh, she like she's pressed up against Namor's back and she's like, "Aren't you cold all the time?" <laughs> <laughs> Just all all touching up on Namor. It was it was it was pretty impressive. I like I liked the. Uh, well, you can't really call it dialogue with Troll, but when when Mr. Hyde is talking to Troll and Troll uh, is like eating a raw fish, that was right. pretty that was pretty fantastic. I and you're right, Aaron. I I love the fact that we're this, this book is finally unshackled from all the bull that is fear itself. Mm-hmm. You know, I know when we when we when we talked about Thunderbolts um way back when, it was like, well, this is a team that is like the you know the the superhero police. When there's a problem, they're going to send these people in because these are the, you know, these are the ones that have to take orders and are the most expendable because they're criminals. Right. But I, I've I've found in Jeff Parker's run that the best stories come when he doesn't have to, when he doesn't have bounds. Right. Exactly. So this was, you know, I, and I hate and I hate time travel usually, mm-hmm. but I thought this was a fun book. Well. One of the scenes that I thought was uh, was really interesting, you know, they they land in the past, they encounter the you know the World War II uh, Captain America superhero team, the Invaders, uh, and really just Captain America and Namor because the Human Torch, who if you'll recall uh, that era's Human Torch is an android that bursts into flames, um, has been captured by Baron Zemo, and of course this incarnation of Baron Zemo is the grandfather of the Baron Zemo that founds the Thunderbolts. It cuts into a scene in the lab with Zemo, and you see Zemo has removed the Human Torch's arm, you know, the android Human Torch, and the Human Torch is crucified (laughs) uh, in the rear of the laboratory. And, I mean, his flesh has been peeled away because he's trying to figure out, Zemo is trying to figure out how to build some of these himself. And here's what I found amusing. You know, uh, when he was captured, the Human Torch was most likely wearing his Human Torch outfit, which was just kind of a red jumpsuit uh, in that period. But Zemo has stripped him down but has given him a loincloth to wear. So it, it, it is very much a crucifixion picture of, uh, of the, uh, the Human Torch there. It, it was a very enjoyable book. I liked the book. I'll pick up the next issue. It is refreshing not to have this tied into fear itself. I, but there was something about it, and maybe it's just because while I picked up those fear itself books, I didn't read them, and I just I feel a little disconnected from this story. You know, I think I think the whole time travel thing happened like in an annual that was like five ninety nine or something ridiculous. So it's oh, like, so I didn't even I pick think, that one up. Okay. Yeah, it's because I I was too. I'm like I don't I don't know how they got away. I, all I remember the last one I had is Man Thing is you know eighteen stories tall. Yeah, yeah, and then all of a sudden they're in the past. I think that must have been some kind of 
annual that we all skipped because it was yeah. way more money about a story we weren't really interested in. Okay. Well, that would explain why I don't understand how they got there. But, you know, once you release yourself into, okay, I don't know how they got here, but okay, um, it, it's very enjoyable. No, this is the only this is the only Marvel book I got, Aaron. Did you take a look at the the back page with the uh, Mark Silvestri Hulk? Yeah, doesn't that look awesome? It really does. Yeah, I'm really I'm like I don't want to buy a Hulk book, but hot damn, does that look good? You know, I don't want to buy a Hulk book either. I want to buy a good Hulk book, and I'm I've got mm-hmm. my fingers crossed that that's going to be this. Let's send Paul, our ace our ace beat reporter, out there to go buy Hulk one. <laughs> oh, I will. I'm a Jason Aaron fan so i'm on board anyway for the first issue we'll have paul Never trust somebody maybe. with two first names paul i agree i plan on getting it just because that art looks beautiful for the hulk yeah and yeah. I, I flipped I through one of the last issue of hulks where they apparently had some wishing war going on i don't know it sounded very strange but they made some comment to uh to betty in the course of that of uh do you really think after all this time do you still believe that bruce banner and the hulk aren't the same person and I thought that sounded kind of interesting, so I'm very curious what they're going to do with it. And I'm hoping there won't be a single other Hulk in the book, because that's what drove me from the Hulk. Too many Hulks. But you know what there aren't any of in the Hulk books? There aren't <laughs> Paul, any. Paul, you know, just give it up. <laughs> <laughs> there aren't enough ducks in the Hulk book. Really, Paul? Luckily... Edgar Delgado, <laughs> yes, <laughs> Edgar Delgado, heard our pleas for more duck action, and has released a free preview of Ultra Duck, his upcoming original graphic novel from Arcana. Twenty-three page free preview on EdgarDelgado.net, so, his official site. So I made everyone read it. Yeah, he he took the flight and sent us sent us free free preview copy and put it on Paul's bill. Yep. I'm a big spender. Right. So I'm curious as to what you guys thought about it. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) No one wants to go first. (sighs) Well, I'll I'll start this. Um, I, uh, this harkens back to a time like when we, they had star comics you know, and I would read. You know, some of the some of the books you'd get from Star Comics. Like, I know I got a couple of Muppet Babies and stuff like that. This is very. It takes you back to a time when you were reading. You know, anim, animal people. And hmm. you know, you know. Back to I pick up Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles every month. I'm still reading Animal People. Well, that's your own psychosis. Um, but you know, I'll tell you what. I didn't. I, I had zero expectations about this book because it was a, you know, it it was about animal people, and I gotta say, I I, I enjoyed it for what it was. It was a, it was a fun story. I like I, I like the main character. He's just some you know random twenty four year old dude that you know was kind of a loser, and it's all about him trying to you know make something of himself, and then he gets these powers. I. I kind of liked it, Paul. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure that's a good thing. But. <laughs> you oh, know, I, I, I'm with you, Tim. I kind of enjoyed it too. I don't think I would have liked it if they weren't duck people. 
Um, <laughs> it's a given that the first three pages I hated the art on. Yeah. Umberto Ramos did the art on those three pages. <laughs> but overall, I did enjoy this. And like I said, I don't think I would have enjoyed it if it would have been just a regular kind of story with people. Because it's kind of cheesy and it's kind of generic and there's just a there's not really a lot to like but because it's a duck it's more interesting aaron is so quiet <laughs> i am dying to hear what he has to say i i i let me preface what i'm about to say by saying this isn't my book you know this this book isn't written for me this is not a uh this is not anything i would ever go out and pick up on my own but aaron there's an ape in it you know, and if this was a monkey book, I would be all over it. And that's that's actually one of my comments is that I'm really not interested in anything going on with the duck. <laughs> but there are other characters in the background that I really like the take on them. Like, you know, and I think Wayne will, will, will hear me on this is that every time there's a dog on the page, I'm suddenly interested. You know, when you've got one of the dog people there, you know, hey, now this is a story I can get behind. Same thing with with the monkeys. Um, I think the, I think it's, I think it's a quality book. I think that the artwork is terrific, both the Umberto Ramos art and the, uh, uh, Edgar Delgado work. I, I think it's colored beautifully. I mean, I think there's, there's a lot of love on the page. You can tell that this, this is something that the artist was really into, in my opinion. Um, I, I, I hate to say that the, the story didn't grab me, but I just think it's because this book isn't written for me. You know, uh, I can recognize that this is a good book, and that somebody else will enjoy it. It's just not my thing. Well, I gotta say, I, I enjoyed it, uh, and, and I like duck shit. I mean, Ducktales, well, Uncle Scrooge. It, well, and you know, I, I'm not opposed Quote to quote of in the episode. I like duck shit. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of of the original runs of Howard the Duck. You know, I love those comics. This just wasn't anything that particularly grabbed me, you know. But but you got the do- the dog there holding a gun to the owl's head. That's what I want to see more of. You have a dog holding a gun to an owl's head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, maybe the that's the quote of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I I enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun book. I thought the art was beautiful. I I, I kind of get. Tim's uh, comparison to the Starbucks. It does feel like kind of like a modern day spider ham, you know, type thing, except for the fact that they're drinking beer. But I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you guys didn't hate it as much as you hated Dalmu. Yeah, I would say out of all of the books that we forced each other to read, well, Planet of the Apes was the best. But this was the second Ugh. best. Well, you know, I, I again, I, I, I recognize – the art design on the book, the panel layouts, I mean, everything flows very well. It's just not it just didn't the story just didn't grab me. Yeah, and, you know, and, Paul, and it, Oh, go ahead, Aaron. I'm no, sorry. you go ahead. I'm I'm I was just repeating myself. Oh, well, you know, Paul, if I had to pick a book of the week, I it might be Alter Dog. Like I really like Thunderbolts, but there was just something fun about Alter Dog. I don't know. So Look at that. Book of the Week, Ultra Duck. Wow. Yeah, I, I think so. It's a, it's a fun book. I mean, and I don't understand why I can't deal with monkeys and, and 
parasols and skirts. Maybe it's because this book isn't serious. Isn't supposed to be real serious. Eat that Planet of the Apes. Mm. All right, Aaron. We've we have made a full gambit. It is your turn again. No, how about we just? Something. How about we stop this this cycle of violence <laughs> and, and poisonous relationship right freaking here? Everybody got a chance at the at the chopping post. Everybody got to be the chimp to the frog. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe we should maybe we should just call a a, a halt to this sick freaking experiment. <laughs> I don't know, Tim. I, I, it seems like we've all learned so much from this experience. <laughs> yeah, we've learned not to do it again. Oh, God. I don't know, Aaron. Did you already have something picked out? Well, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I just, I, I don't understand why, uh, why, uh, you know, why we would want to stop. I mean, you know, we're all learning and sharing and caring. Oh, God. <laughs> what, what did you have in mind, Aaron? The Rents number one from Boom Studios. Rinse? The Rents. I didn't rinse now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll want to rinse after what the chimpanzee does to you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the Rents is created and written by uh, Gary Phillips with art by Mark Laming. And it's uh, from Boom Comics. In fact, the uh, first issue is uh, just a, a one slim dollar. And I'll issue two it. comes out this week. I'll give it a damn shot, damn that ass, Aaron. Verb. That might be the verb I give it as laming. We're going to find out, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been curious about it on the shelf, so I don't mind reading that at all. See, there you I go. may end up hating it, but I don't mind reading it, at least trying it. <laughs> hey, before we wrap up, I do want to say... That uh, we reviewed it a couple months back, but the theater number one from Xenoscope yes. is on shelves this week, and uh, damn good book. So I uh, highly recommend it. It is damn good. You would recommend it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, released this weekend on the site, Knights of Rainsboro, issue number nine. Be sure and check that out. And coming up this coming weekend, Star Trek Aegean, our third episode, as we uh, discuss characters and plot hooks and all that kind of fun stuff. So lots of stuff there on the site to listen to. Bye, everybody. <laughs> all right. Well, goodbye, guys. Bye. We're wrapping up. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.